Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. We are back once again. Another week in sports, another week of drama. And, you know, it's becoming even more of a trend. Uh, just another week of political unrest and and people questioning protests. And it's it's becoming so much of the norm now that you can't even get surprised. I mean, you know, we talked, I think, probably all of last season about the entire Colin Kaepernick situation, uh, the protesting before games in the NFL, and how people had different takes on it. Now, the obvious take for most people were the, you know, understand Colin Kaepernick representing all the people that don't have a voice and are just not acknowledged in today's society. You know, most of the time it does focus on African-Americans and and just everything going on in regards to not just the police, but just the overall cultural aspect. And and it really became a huge firestorm in the NFL. So both sports, you know, leagues, uh, they they adopted new ways of handling a situation like this and allowing their players to openly openly say their their thoughts on regards, whether it's the, you know, saluting the flag or or just spreading their opinions on what's going on in society. Uh, the NBA has always been pretty big with, you know, just allowing the players to express themselves and and really form their own opinions without enforcing a, a mandated way of behaving or a mandated way of of thinking. That's always been a big thing with that with the NBA. And you now go and look at the NFL, which has been the complete opposite. And the latest ruling that has everyone talking for the last uh, week and a half. And uh, this actually took place right before Memorial Day during the spring meetings that usually happen every year for the NFL. That's when all the owners meet up with the commissioner and they they discuss like different rule changes or decisions on where they're going to have the Super Bowls and, you know, et cetera. And one of the things that they brought up, and I'm actually going to play the entire press conference of of Roger Goodell and as well as um, the owner for the uh, for the Steelers shared their thoughts. It's it's a very interesting um, observation. The fact that they said, you know what, we're not not only are we going to just address the entire protesting situation, we're just going to kill any type of noise around it. The NFL's mandated rule now is that the uh, players, if they feel like they don't want to salute the flag and, you know, they want to take a knee and be defiant, they have to stay in the locker room. Like, that's a rule now. They have to stay in the locker room. They don't want them to be seen. And there's mixed reactions. I know a lot of people that I've heard have been very negative in regards to it. Um, there are people also that are very strongly committed to the flag and and, and they understand the, the aspect of where the NFL is coming from. Personally, I think it's ridiculous. The fact that we've gotten to this point where you're basically trying to control people's fir- First Amendment rights. And they have the right in order to protest peacefully and to share their thoughts to uh, a major stage. And, that, and that's really what the NFL you know, it, it allows for that. You have a, a major stage for people to acknowledge their thoughts. Forcing a penalty on players for coming out and 
and just being open into media and saying how they are against a lot of things that are going on in this country is, a, in my opinion, a direct violation of First Amendment rights. It's just ridiculous to tell grown, basically telling grown men that you're not allowed to have an opinion. You're not allowed to to be seen if you feel differently than the way we do. And mind you, these are these are nonviolent protests. These are not anything where somebody's life is being put at risk or any type of physical harm of that nature. This is just sending a message to some of the unrest that's going on in this country. And that's what this country is supposed to be based off of, freedom of liberty, freedom of, of speech. And I just find it to be amazing that the NFL continues to to block that type of thinking and just and just kind of stay to the uh, more of a, of a conservative like, OK, we believe this is the right way. We're going to say this for the flag. We want to make this amount of money because of this. I just don't understand Roger Goodell. Um, and I'm going to play the entire speech he had in his press conference. So I'll let you guys decide how you feel about it. Uh, also, uh, because different players have had their opinions on this. And, uh, you know, the owners came up with this. And and it's, it's an assumption that because it went through that there was a high majority of the ownership that agreed with Roger Goodell. Obviously, Jerry Jones is on the top of that list. Everyone kind of sees his uh, his opinions over the years in regards to the flag and, and just staying um, basically not forcing any type of unrest amongst people's thoughts on not only the Dallas Cowboys, but just what's going on in the country. He's always been big on that. It was to the point that every Dallas Cowboy that they interviewed right after the um, announcement was made, all agreed with the rule, saying they wanted to get past it. Uh, Dak Prescott was pretty open, saying, well, you know, it never affected me anyway. I'm all about saluting the flag. It's it's basically, you know, you're only going to get those type of answers from uh, Jerry Jones's camp. Now, the person that I wanted to hear from in terms of just their overall opinion being so outspoken when it comes to civil rights, when it comes to just what's going on socially in the world uh, Brandon Marshall, not the Brandon Marshall that just got signed, you know, the wide receiver for Seahawks, not that one, even though he is outspoken. I'm talking about Brandon Marshall, the linebacker for the Denver Broncos. He addressed it fully with the, uh, uh, with the media in a press conference, uh, right before one of the practices after he heard about the protest. And uh, I'm going to play his sound as well. It, it was really, it's really, um, I, I enjoy hearing his take on it. Because he does give a fair approach to it. He is very outspoken, but he does give a fair approach to how the league handles a situation like that, being a player and having his opinion be heard um, throughout the whole process. So I really enjoyed what he had to say. So we're going to play his press conference as well. And also, I had the opportunity to speak with Miss Summer Lopez from Pen America. Uh, Pen America always stands up for uh, First Amendment rights and just the freedom of speech, freedom of press. And they uh, were outraged, along with many other people, over the NFL's handling of the situation. So uh, I got to speak with Ms. Lopez about it and uh, just what Pen America feels about the entire NFL and just, just the way they've been handling this, uh, the protesting and, you know, saluting the flag. It's become, it's really become what the league is about now. No one talks about the actual football as much anymore. 
Remember, it's kind of to the point where you miss the old days when you, you were worried about the flake gate because this is what it's about. It's about the NFL not being fair to its players. It's not being fair to its fans. And I'm a, I've always been a fan of the NFL, I'm going to be honest, but a lot of stuff has turned off a lot of people that I know personally. And I've been a little, you know, I've been disheartened from it as well. It's It's really tough when you hear a league say you're not allowed to have an opinion. You're not allowed to have any freedom of speech. It's a very odd situation. And like I said, um, I had an interview with Miss Lopez and she gave her thoughts on it. We're going to hear that later in the show. Now, we just talked about the NFL and just everything going on with that. The NBA has always been pretty uh, progressive when it comes to their players and just their opinions. And, you know, obviously we're giving back, etc., the NBA Finals is happening right now. Once again, Cleveland Cavaliers, Golden State Warriors, fourth straight year. I get it. That's a big thing. But uh, there are still teams, teams that didn't make the playoffs, teams that, you know, I, you pretty much have forgotten about that are still doing things within their community. And uh, most recently, the Brooklyn Nets, actually certain players, Brooklyn Nets, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson and uh, Jared Allen, participated in a food drive and it was um it was great it was in Brooklyn, New York teaming up with the Child Development Support Corporation and Key Food giving back to people in need in regards to just food and and I just love being a part of uh, events like that and just seeing the players give back and just be one with the community because when you see these events on TV and they give you little like highlights of just uh what's going on you don't get to see the actual interaction that the players have with everyone that's there. I mean, there. this isn't one of those things where it's like, oh, it's security here and they got to stand behind a line. It's No, they are actually out there. They're touching the uh, the people that are there from different, you know, races, different everything. And I just love that. I just love the, the that type of community involvement from leagues. And I feel like the NBA does a great job with that. The Brooklyn Nets always in particular do a great job in Brooklyn all the time. And uh, I always enjoy being able to go to their events. I uh, got to speak with Rondé Hollis Jefferson and Jared Allen, who were the two Nets featured there, and uh, just get their thoughts on everything. They actually spoke to myself as well as um, a, a bunch of other reporters. So it was really a, a a great day, and it was just another example of what the NBA is providing as a um, as a league and just showing the public, showing the people that they are there for them. So. I just thought it was a really good look, not just for the Brooklyn Nets, but for the NBA in general. And I'm not trying to say the NBA is better than the NFL because of this. I'm just giving an example of uh, the different things that are going on. I know the NFL, there's a bunch of charity events and things that go on as well. But all that stuff just gets flooded and and it basically ignored when you, you have the commissioner come out and say, okay, you guys can't have an open opinion. You cannot be seen protesting you cannot you know what i mean it's just that whole thing just kind of gets really boggled down and a huge negative cloud is now over the league so that's something that is going to continue to be a thing and we're going to address throughout this show so uh, with that being said i actually do want to go before we go to break i do want to go on a more of a funny note um I, I don't know if you guys are all big fans of jimmy kimmel he does the whole, you know, his, his regular late night show, he does a game night, like a pregame thing before every NBA Finals game. It's been going on for a couple of years now. 
they did the latest edition of mean tweets where they have star players read their read like hateful tweets from people just all over uh Twitter and it's hilarious stuff. Uh you got Kobe Bryant there, you got Tracy McGrady in it. So I'm gonna play that clip and we'll go to break. And uh when we come back, I'm actually gonna play my uh different interviews and and just the experience of the food drive with the Brooklyn Nets and uh key food. So Stay tuned. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio and iHeartRadio. Jalen Rose looks like he has Lego hair. <laughs> Trace McGrady looks like a grown-ass Steve Urkel with biggie small eyes. <laughs> y'all. Draymond Green's jump shot is almost as ugly as his face. Almost. It's a damn good-looking jump shot. Ben Simmons might have the most boring voice I've ever heard. I hate Glenn Robinson, man. What a bitch. What did I do to you? Jimmy Butler has my most hated player in the league award. Ugly <laughs> What the <laughs> is that on his head? He looks dirty as De'Aaron Fox look like an auntie in the face. Stevie Wonder shoots free throws better than Andre Drummond. Oh, that's straight disrespectful. Come on now. Stephen A. Smith is what happens when a human tries to be a Caps lock button. <laughs> Rachel Nichols, can you stop screaming into your microphone? I've never seen someone so annoying on television in my life, and I'm old enough to have watched The Nanny. Scottie Pippen has the face of a man that's been through some I need someone to blame, so I'll go with Old Faithful. This is all Kevin Love's fault. Charles Barkley has pancake t That's not true, because I would eat him. Kobe looks like he cries to can I get a kiss from a rose by seal? Really? I'm not crying, but I'll sing this iHeartRadio now combines your favorite radio stations plus your on-demand music collection all in one app. iHeartRadio All Access now allows you to take your music collection offline to listen anywhere without a connection or using data. From the My Music Pivot, tap on a playlist you want to take offline. Toggle to offline. Indicators will fill in seconds, showing when your tracks and playlists are available offline. Radio plus unlimited music all in one app. I'm Paul George. When I was six, I had one thing on my mind. When I was six, my days were spent playing basketball every chance I could. When I was six, my dream was to make it to the NBA. When I was six, my mom had a stroke. So I want you to learn the signs of a stroke fast. F-A-S-T. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. Because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. 
I'm Paul George. Protect the ones you love. Spot a stroke F-A-S-T. Fast. Life is why. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Now, keep this short. I know we want to jump into the volunteer project. Just want to have an opportunity to thank uh, the Brooklyn Nets, uh, Jared and Rondé for joining us today, and Michelle Gisi from Key Food. Uh, our partners at Key Food and the Brooklyn Nets have made possible 27,000 meals through the Charity Stripe Initiative. And we're so appreciative, and it's twofold. I think it's about raising awareness, uh, raising the public's awareness about the issue of hunger, and then promoting action. Uh, and the fact that we have volunteers here ready to serve fresh produce and uh, emergency food to families in need is just a powerful statement. Food Bank relies on 800 volunteers a week. Uh, so this is just a microcosm of the community effort that really makes possible 62 million meals to one in five New Yorkers every year. So our deepest thanks to Key Food, to the Brooklyn Nets for making this possible. Thank you. Francisco Tizen, I'm Vice President for Fundraising at Food Bank for New York City. And we are proud to work, partner with the Brooklyn Nets and Key Food on their Charity Stripe Initiative. Uh, through this initiative, they've raised over 27,000 meals for New Yorkers in need. And it's been a tremendous support and help to Food Bank for New York City. We are the largest hunger relief organization working in New York City and are providing over 62 million meals uh, to New Yorkers in need across the five boroughs through our network of a thousand community-based organizations, including Child Development Support Corporation, which operates and works here in Clayton Hill. I just want to ask, uh, what are your thoughts on, uh, I heard it was based on free throws that were made. What are your thoughts on the, uh, the Nets and uh, how they did? Kudos to the Nets. I think that it is a really creative way, an innovative way to get people to be cognizant and think about their neighbors in need and to think about hunger. Uh, I think that, you know, to the extent that we can provide as many opportunities for New Yorkers who want to help, who want to pitch in, uh, to think about and find opportunities for making a difference. Uh, you know, I say this is a great opportunity for us uh, to realize some fundamental change. And the thousand organizations uh, that we work with at Food Bank in New York City that are partnering with us, they rely on volunteers. Food Bank relies on volunteers. We rely on upwards of 800 volunteers every week. So to the extent that we can encourage New Yorkers to find their way to have an impact and to be cognizant of the issue of hunger, uh, initiatives like Charity Stripe are a great way for raising awareness and more importantly, promoting action. Thank you, Thank you. Appreciate it. My name is Candida Ortiz. Hi, Ms. Ortiz. Can you just uh, share your thoughts on today's event? Oh, today's event brings a lot of good things to our community. We have a lot of children and families that we serve in this community that are very needy. But we love that. We give them the food. We let them choose what they want. Uh, we also have other events to help them out as well. We give them clothes if they need it. We also help them with child care services and summer camps when parents are looking for those intervals. We also have after-school information for them. We also bring in uh, some of the uh, Fidelis Care and HMOs to give them the opportunity to apply for those services. We also have a SNAP program, which helps them to uh, bring in their documents to get the uh, food stamps, which are SNAPs right now. Anything else? Oh, today's event? Yeah. Today's event uh, brings a lot of visibility to our agency. 
and maybe some you know different people who are looking to fund or help agencies in the community do a little better might help us as well um, as well as it helps our clients to see that we're always going the extra mile to get them what they need when they come and see us at the pantry anything else Oh, just your thoughts on the Brooklyn Nets. Are you a Brooklyn Nets fan now uh, after today? Well, listen, I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan because I am a basketball fan, period. Um, and I'm always up to new players, new things happening. And it's such a good thing for them to come out into the community to show that they care about the community that they actually do their work in. They've done a lot of great things in the area of downtown and, and the Barclays Center, and we really appreciate it. They brought a lot of jobs to the community, and they're very personable, nice people. We really appreciate the Nets. Good luck, guys. It's going to happen. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you. Hey, Jared, uh, you don't mind sharing your thoughts on today's event? I think it's a wonderful event. You see, when me and Rondé and everybody in there giving out food, you can see the smile on everybody's faces. So I think it's a well-rounded event. What was the best reaction you saw today from people collecting items and things like that? Uh, a lot of smiling and they're like, you play basketball, you can tell. Like, they're looking <laughs> up at you and they're really happy that you're taking the time out of your day, out of our busy schedules to come here and help them. And in terms of, you know, also just the types of people that you've interacted with, have, did you get to hear any stories about some of the people that you were giving out things to? No, I haven't had to uh, hear any stories. Um, fans obviously come to the arena to support you. What does it mean to you that you get to do this to support them? Uh, it's like take, give, give, take. So they come and support us, and that's what we need. And we come back here to support them, and this is what they need. So it's just a full circle. How, you know, you've done a lot of these events, and obviously it's something that's important to you. Uh, what have you learned about Brooklyn through seeing all of these different sort of areas and helping out these different communities? Brooklyn, it's, you have everything in Brooklyn. You have it from the top to the bottom, and everybody in there needs help. So just whatever we do, just help everybody and make it a good city. When you were growing up, was there an athlete that ever came to your community and either spoke or uh, did a community event like this one that helped influence and shape you? <laughs> no, not really. But really, my mom, she always wanted me to give back. So when I was younger, we used to always do events like this from our church. Nice. Uh, it means a lot, man, to be able to give back to the community, uh, just be there for people, man, just give people good energy, good smiles. Uh, it means a lot to me. What was the best reaction you got today from giving, you know, some items that you did? We got a little dance move going on <laughs> uh, with one of the ladies, you know, who were extremely grateful, uh, appreciative, uh, you know, just being able to get the, get the goods and um, just be able to feed their family, man. When you were growing up, was there an event like this one or maybe a friend from your family that helped shape the man that you are today? I would say we try to do a lot to, you know, help the community growing up. My family included. They were like the feeders of the neighborhood, uh, just being able to, you know, feed kids. Uh, I don't know. That's just something we took pride in. And they, they showed me the way and how to be uh, the man I am today. And I just thank them for it. I know you've been living in Brooklyn, but like, how does an event like this kind of instill that Brooklyn feel for you? Like, you feel like this is home. Um, I would just say the more you're in the community, man, the more you're you're able to connect with the people, man. I say that says a lot about who you are, your character, your integrity. At the end of the day, man, and I'm a I'm a family man. I'm a community man, and I love being around. I walk around all the time. You can catch me on the subway. 
And that's just what it's about at the end of the day, because you want the support of the people in the city, in your community, um, at all times. And that's what we're here for. I want to I wanna thank everyone that came out today, all the people that, you know, just helped put this together. Um, and, you know, the people that's behind the scenes that you don't see uh, supporting, uh, helping, handing out foods and all that. I'm sure you guys got video up and make sure you put it together. Um, give them some shots to that, too, because it means a lot, you know, just to be able to know that they're doing something positive to help their community. Um, and also thank Key Foods, too. Thank you. My name is Mireille Massac. Okay, um, can you let us know just your thoughts on today's event and putting it together? Um, today's event is phenomenal. We have um, players from the Nets. We also have uh, key food employees and we have the food bank for New York City. The clients are excited and as you can see, we have a diverse group of people. We have seniors, uh, we have children, we have um, people from all diaspora of um, the Caribbean. <laughs> and uh, so it's a phenomenal event. And we're so grateful for all of the support that we were given mm -hmm. to be able to provide this uh, service to the community. But we do this every Thursday. Mm -hmm. So let's this, let not this be a one-off. You know, hopefully you guys can come back and support our cause again. Definitely. And um, I just also have to ask, like, what is your inspiration for uh, continuing your efforts every week doing this type of event? Well, in our, our agency, which is Child Development Support Corporation, we started in 1969. So we have a long track record of, of empowering people, providing support to the community, and just doing, uh, providing services that, that, that's needed, right. you know. And if we can add a little flair to it once in a while, like having basketball players come and help us with the distribution, then it's even more amazing because most of our clients cannot even afford to go to see a Nets game. Right. So for the players to actually come in person and give out stuff and shake hands and autographs and all that, it, it's just amazing. But for us, you know, we do a lot of things in our community to help um, the community move forward. You know, we're, we're about teaching people how to do for themselves. So part of this that you see uh, is, is all connected to like a nutrition program as well. We're a self-select pantry. Clients actually choose what they want. You know, we just don't hand them anything. They choose what they want so that they can make informed choices for their families. Yeah. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go fish that! Oh, come on! <laughs> this is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. The smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. NFC, AFC, Offensive linemen, defensive tackles, quarterbacks, and cornerbacks are all working with United Way for a million little reasons, the kids of our communities, to ensure their academic success all the way to graduation day. You see, it takes about 12 years to create a graduate, but it takes the same time to create a dropout. And the difference between a kid becoming one or the other could be a professional athlete or it could be you. Studies showed the earlier we get to kids, the better their chances. So become a United Way volunteer reader, tutor, or mentor, 
and make a difference in the life of a child for the life of that child. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live united. Join your favorite NFL players. Take the pledge. Go to unitedway.org. We made modifications to our anthem policy. Uh, we did that this morning after a great deal of discussion. Uh, yesterday, again this morning, um, it was unanimously adopted by the clubs. Uh, several owners are here. They're going to give you their perspective. But um, from our standpoint, uh, this is a great opportunity to continue that partnership with our players and keep the focus on the progress and the programs that we think are so important in the communities. Uh, we're proud of that support, and we think that that's how change is really going to be made. Uh, clearly, our objective as a league uh, and to all 32 clubs, uh, which was unanimous, is that we want people uh, to be respectful to the national anthem. We want people to stand. That's all personnel and make sure that uh, they treat this uh, moment in a respectful fashion. That's something that we think we owe. We've uh, been very sensitive in making sure that we uh, give players choices, but we do believe uh, that that moment is an important moment and one that we are going to uh, focus on. So I'll stop there and uh, let Mr. Bidwell, I think, start. Hello again, uh, Michael Bidwell with the Arizona Cardinals. I'm also uh, among the other uh, committees that I serve on. I'm a member of the Social Justice Working Group uh, with the Players Coalition, so we work on a lot of uh, important social justice issues. Um, but I, m my perspective is, as the commissioner said, I think putting the focus back on the game, uh, making sure all personnel uh, stand on the field and honor the flag, the, the anthem, uh, and the moment. Uh, and so I think it's been a good discussion internally with, with uh, coming up with this policy. And it's a league-wide policy that, that clubs on a club-by-club -club basis will be able to uh, enforce with workplace rules. So that's so a little bit of clarity. It is a league-wide uh, policy. So uh, look forward to getting the focus back on football and getting back to football in 2018. Hello, I'm Jimmy Haslam with the Cleveland Browns and also have the uh, privilege of serving on the Social Justice Committee with Michael and several other owners. And um, of the owners standing up here, I think I'm the newest. And I can tell you, I told Roger last night of the meetings we participated in since becoming an owner. This is by far the most thoughtful and thorough discussion we've had. All 32 owners spoke up or their representatives. We talked for two hours yesterday and an hour today. and. I think throughout this process, all of us have own, as owners in the league, uh, Roger and the NFL, have grown much closer to our players as we work through this process. Um, I know we've been actively involved in Ohio in several areas of criminal justice reform and have gotten our players involved too in helping them understand the political process and helping to cause change. And I think the solution that we have come up with is a good one and is Roger and, as Michael said, I think it will now allow us to all focus back on football, which is what we want to do. Uh, I'm Mark Murphy, president of the, of the Green Bay Packers. I, I would reiterate uh, what's been said. I thought uh, our discussions over the last couple of days have been very, very positive. Uh, we talked a lot about, I think we learned from each other, had different viewpoints, but came to a unanimous consensus. We also talked a lot about uh, our players and how this would impact them. Uh, we wanted, you know, as you look back at last year, last fall was difficult, I think, for all of us uh, within the league. 
but one of the real positives that, had, that came out of it was the improved relationship between management uh, and the players. And uh, I, th I think that's been a real positive. We want that to continue to, to move forward. And uh, we have tremendous respect for our players. And you look, and I think you also have to put this in the context of looking at uh, just over the last year or two, uh, what the league, the clubs, and the players, how working together, the, some of the great, great progress we've made on the underlying issues that the players were protesting uh, and really making a big difference in their communities on social justice issues. Art Rooney, Pittsburgh Steelers, and uh, as has been said, I think uh, we've spent a lot of time really not just at this meeting, but really over the last year discussing the, the subject of the anthem and working with our players to try to make sure we could get to a place where uh, all the different viewpoints could be respected. And uh, I, I think we've come out at a place that uh, uh, we as a, as a group in, in the league are comfortable with. Uh, obviously, we want to continue to work with our players and make sure that uh, they feel that their point of view has been respected. Uh, I think the fact that uh, those who are not uh, comfortable standing for the anthem have the, the right to stay off the field. Uh, so we're not forcing anybody to stand who, who uh, uh, doesn't feel that's, that's uh, within their, uh, the way they feel about the particular subjects. Uh, but those who are on the field, uh, uh, are, are going to be asked to stand, and, uh, and I think that uh, you know we've listened to a lot of different viewpoints, including our fans, over the last year, and, and I think uh, this uh, policy attempts to to come out in a place where uh, we respected everybody's point of view on this as best we could. Okay, at this time we'll take a couple questions. We do have microphones. First question, Jerry. Hey, hey, Roger. A two-part question here. Um, you always have two questions on you, Jerry. <laughs> um, what happens if a player decides to come on the field and decides to kneel nonetheless, despite the policy? That's the first part of the question. Then the second part, the NFLPA has come out and said that it will fight against this policy. Um, what do you say to the union leadership and why perhaps you didn't better engage the the, the, the union in, in striking this compromise. Well, Jared, uh, anything I have to say to the union, I'll say to them directly. Um, and uh, I do that all the time. So I'll be more than happy to do that, but I will do that to them directly. But there's been incredible uh, engagement with the players uh, on this. We've talked to tens, if not hundreds of players about this uh, over the last year or so to get their input, to understand their positions. And again, to respect those, as I think was uh, stated here. Uh, your first part of your question was what if, happens if, um, if anyone is on the field and is disrespectful to the anthem or the flag, uh, there would be a, a fine from the league against the team. Uh, the team will have its own work rules, will be consistent with the overall policy, and they will make their own decisions about how to manage that from there on the club level. Mark Maskey, Washington. Roger, given the way the policy is, is structured and worded, is it your expectation out of this that this will end all protests by players during the anthem on the sideline? Or is there, in your mind, is there leeway there if a particular owner or a particular club decides that they want to allow that? No, not from a club. And as uh, I think was said before, all 32 clubs uh, uh, want to make sure that during the, the moment of the anthem and the flag, that that is a very important moment to all of us uh, as a league, as clubs, uh, personally, and to our country. 
uh, and that's a, a moment that we want to make sure is done in a very respectful fashion. And that, uh, that was something that was uh, very strongly held in the room. Uh, we think that we've come up with a balanced uh, uh, process here and a procedure and policy uh, that will allow those players who feel that they can't stand for the anthem to uh, stay in the locker room. Um, and there's no penalty for that, but we are going to encourage all of them to be on the field. We'd like all of them to be on the field and stand at attention. Hey, Roger. Who's the arbiter of respect for the flag? What would be considered disrespect for the flag and the anthem? And why, why would the league and the owners kind of willingly attempt to police something that is subjective like this? Well, I think uh, the general public has a very strong view of what respect for the flag is in that moment. Uh, we have language in our policy that talks about that, standing at attention with hats off and focused. Um, and I think uh, the general arbiter will be the clubs and, and the league, and we'll work with our players and get their viewpoint also. Okay, I, I've got to get back into the meeting. So I'm with all Hey, Roger. Joe Person, Charlotte Observer. Yep. Uh, there was a uh, former Panthers female employee recently told, told Sports Illustrated, characterized the, the Jerry Richardson investigation as a farce because uh, the, the league was, uh, the, excuse me, uh, the independent investigator was not uh, giving any protection on the non-disclosure agreements. And she didn't, they didn't, apparently she didn't feel free to speak to the investigators because of that. How would you respond to that characterization? And then how will this investigation go forward now that Jerry's no longer here? Uh, two things. One is uh, Mary Jo White is uh, highly respected, the greatest integrity, and she would not be involved in anything that's a farce. Uh, she has her own procedures and policies. We're going to allow her to complete her job, and when she's completed her job, then we'll take it from there. Okay. okay. Thank you very much. We'll conclude the overall meeting. And, uh, Hello, Ed. This is Summer Lopez from Pan America. Hi, Summer. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Okay. Uh, I just want to say I think you've been taking time to speak with us. And uh, just to, to give your thoughts on the, uh, the recent decision by the NFL to uh, penalize players for uh, demonstrating or showing any type of protest on the sidelines. Sure, absolutely. Um, I mean, Pan America is very disappointed to see this decision, especially given that it seems to have occurred without real consultation with the NFL Players Association. Um, we, you know, really feel that this is a, a punitive policy, um, punishing people for expressing their peaceful um, right to free expression, um, and that really, you know, we had been threatened a few months ago to see that the NFL had come up with this compromise plan to provide funding for social justice causes in African-American communities, and we thought that was a real step forward. It seems like um, you know, the dialogue between the Players Association and, and the NFL was, was getting somewhere. Um, so I think we find this decision to be really disappointing and, and a real step backwards. Yeah, so the, it's been obviously widespread around a lot of people sharing their opinions on this. Mm -hmm. Were you surprised at the way they went about delivering the message. It just seemed to be like a, a press conference talking about changes in regards to just simple rules in the NFL. To, uh, you know, Roger Goodell, uh, along with a couple of other owners, just bringing the subject up and uh, basically hammering it down. Uh, was it a surprise in regards to their just their lack of empathy and just relating to the players? 
Yes, I think so. And not, not again, sort of reflecting the fact that they hadn't really consulted with players during this process and that it came out in a way that was shocking to a lot of people and, um, and I think that didn't give full um, weight to the context for this decision. I mean, I think the other major area of concern here is that well, the NFL does have a right to make its own rules and decisions. Um, they've obviously been getting a great deal of, of pressure from, from the White House, from the president himself, saying that players should be punished for these actions. And so when you then take an action um, that is consistent with that, it looks as though, you know, potentially the president has been successful in pressuring the NFL to to punish players for um, expressing their opinions and for protesting peacefully, and that's that's deeply concerning. And so I think that um, the way it was announced didn't really um, didn't really acknowledge the context in which this decision took place. Yeah, so then obviously you know the NFL uh, being such a, a major uh, a major league in regards to just all the money it brings in and, and the TV money and everything that goes along with it. You look at the other sports, such as the NBA, you look at League baseball, what do you expect to be their reactions after this NFL decision? Um, that, I mean, I think it will be interesting to see. I mean, it seems to me that the NBA has been, you know, a bit more consistently supportive of its players' right to engage in peaceful protest. Um, but I think it will be, you know, it, that I think kind of remains to be seen exactly. Right, and uh, but just before you go, I, I have to, uh, we always have to come back to the uh, college athletic situation because that's what really spearheaded so so many so much change in people uh, being aware yeah. of what's going on with the flag. Do you think this at all helps his cause of possibly playing football again, and uh, just you know just the, the total backlash of everything that's happened? Do you think this is anything that's going to hurt him moving forward? Because he is praised by many. You know, it's kind of equal if you want to talk about, like, people that bash him and people that mm -hmm. praise him. What do you think that helps him or, or hurts him moving forward? I don't know for sure about in terms of him playing football again, but I think it certainly, you know, it demonstrates the importance of what he has done. And I think, um, you know, it has boosted support. Obviously, as you say, it's a bit excited in terms of opinion, but I do think it has rallied the people who have been supportive of him and of his right to this protest, even people who may disagree with with him, um, you know, who, but who still believe that he has a right to engage in a peaceful protest. Um, I think it definitely does uh, rally that support and, and galvanize people a bit around around the issue again. Right. And Summer, thank you very much for uh, taking the time. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye. Brandon, uh, President Trump said uh, said you have to stand proudly for the national anthem. You shouldn't be playing. You shouldn't be there. Maybe they shouldn't be in the country. The NFL owners did the right thing. What's your reaction to what the president had to say? Um, you know, obviously that that statement right there is um, to me is 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 I'll say is to me is disgusting. You know, I say it's disgusting because of our amendment rights, you know, our First Amendment rights. Um, you know, we have freedom of speech, right, freedom of protest. So because somebody decides to protest something, now we have to be kicked out of the country. And and that's not how things should work, in my opinion, anyway. Um, it's not about just because somebody disagrees with something or, you know, if, if, if I didn't stand for the anthem, that means, or if I don't like what's going on, right? That's basically him saying I should be, you know, kicked out of the country. But... Um, we're supposed to have conversations about things, talk about things, work things through. 
you know. Um, you know, everybody's not going to agree on, on things. Everybody's not going to have the same opinion on, on things. So um, just because someone, you know, disagrees or, uh, or has a, a, an issue with, with something that's going on in this country uh, doesn't mean that they should leave, pack up and leave. That's, that's absurd, in my opinion. So, What do you think of the new policy that the league enacted yesterday? Uh, you know, I don't like it. You know, but that's my opinion. You know, I don't like it. Um, you know, it kind of, I guess, it, you know, I mean, I understand it, though. You know, I, I don't like it, but I understand it. I understand, you know, what what they're trying to protect. They're trying to protect the shield, you know. Um, the reason that we did this in the first place was to bring awareness to, you know, police brutality. Um, you know, that's the reason we, why we, you know, we took a knee. And that was just a symbol. That was the symbol of, of what was going on, um, taking a knee, just like the flag is, is a symbol for America, right? So, you know, taking a knee was a symbol, and the work came after that, you know. Um, you know, Colin uh, has been doing work. You know, I've been doing work. You know, Malcolm Jenkins, a bunch of guys have been doing work. So, to me, it's not a – it wasn't – the knee wasn't the end-all, be-all, you know. Um, there should have been action behind the knee, and there was. Um, but, you know, it, it kind of just – it kind of, I feel like it, it might make people want to just, you know, rebel. You know, just like when Trump said what he said last year, people rebelled. Um, and, and let's be clear, you know, I know they say, you know, they'll find the team, but players don't care about that. <laughs> you know, players don't care about the team gets fine. So what have the conversations been like amongst you guys, maybe yesterday afternoon and then this morning? Um, I mean, it hasn't, it's, it's been a little bit. It's just only been like preliminary conversation because nobody really has understood it yet fully. So, you know, we haven't really uh, talked about it. I guess some guys were, you know, was talking, okay, if you're going to stay in or not, well, if you're a starter, can you stay in if they're going to announce the starters? You know what I'm saying? Are you going to stay in in the road games? You know, it's just, a, <laughs> it's crazy. Have you given much thought to what you may do? Um, you know what? I really haven't. I've been having a lot going on um, personally, but, um, you know, I haven't really given much thought to what I was going to do. Um, you know, I guess we'll cross that road when it comes. You mentioned the, the action that you took in the community. Yeah. How valuable was that for you and you really plan moving forward? Uh, I think it was, it, was, it, it was really valuable. Um, you know, I saw progress, which is, you know, the reason why I initially stood up again um, back in 20, uh, 2016, right? Yeah, 2016. Um, you know, uh, the Denver Police changed the use of force policy, or they reviewed it, and I thought that was progress. Um, and, you know, I thought that was big, you know, um, you know, I've gotten a, a few awards for, you know, uh, a few courage awards for what I've done. And in the future, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm continuing to think about different things. You know, I've, um, I'll continue to talk to, to Colin, see where his head is out on everything. Um, you know, I hope he gets a job, though. Yeah, but, I mean, they were never going to engage us anyway, you know. Uh, we're not, I guess, you know, when you really think about it, you know, why, why would we have a say-so, you know, or why would they? I mean, I think they should have, right? Um, but I guess they don't They don't look at us like that to to have an input or, or say-so in, in, in this policy. Do you feel like the membership here in the front office has been supportive of your reasons for protesting in your Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, Kubiak, you know, uh, that was in 2016 when I did it. Kubiak was was very supportive, man. He pulled me in his office, talked to me about it. Um, you know, my coach, Reggie Herring, was extremely supportive, man. He, 
you know, he talked to me, you know, Joe Ellis has been supportive as well. So, you know, those guys have been, as, have had my back. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate, um, you know, how, how Kubiak handled me and, uh, and how he handled everything. Um, you know, so, you know, this, this organization has been good to me. You just mentioned just how much you meant for Kubiak and Joe Ellis to have yeah. your back. Do you feel like NFL-wide, though, players are partners with the league? Whereas I get the impression in the NBA that that's the case. Do you feel that? Yeah, I guess this this how I feel with the NBA and the NFL player relationships. Um, you know, there's so much turnover in the NFL. You know, it's always a new star. It's always somebody new, right? You know, this year was with Leonard Fournette and you know Odell and you know the the stars that are. It's just somebody coming in new all the time. The NBA. You know, you see a guy like Jason Terry in the, in the league for 15 years, Vince Carter in the league for 20 years, you know. They have the same players all the time, usually the same superstars. So um, that camaraderie, that, that longevity is built, and so they can go and talk to those guys because those guys will be in the NFL or in the NBA for a long time, you know. They will be the face of the NBA for a long time. There's a new face of the NFL all the time. I mean, Tom Brady is the biggest, you know, is, is the best example, but he's only one guy, you know. Um, I guess if you look at – Somebody like Gronk, right? Gronk is a dominant player, but then he gets hurt. You know, he gets hurt. So it's like, okay, who's a new tight end? You know, and it's, it's always like that. So, um, you know, I think, you know, we're, we're expendable, and I think everybody understands that. So I figured, I feel like that's probably why they don't really. Yeah. Yeah, all of that. Absolutely. Uh, man, look, I had a, <laughs> I had a, a man, a couple of players. I'm not going to say names. When I was do, when I was kneeling, a couple of guys came up to me and said, look, look, Brandon, you know what? I want to do it with you, but I'm not in good standing with the team. You know, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, you know, what I'm saying put my uh, my career on the line. And that's how guys feel in the NFL, you know, um, and the NBA could be different. You know, uh, the guys know they're going to be around. You know, but in the NFL, the turnover is crazy. You know, you you get cut for so many different reasons. And, um, you know, a perfect example, man, like, you know, one of my good good friends, T.J. Ward, man, that's my guy, you know, Super Bowl champion. He almost won – I feel like he could have won Super Bowl MVP. Next year he plays. The next year he gets cut in training camp, goes to Tampa, doesn't really play as much. Now he's looking for a job, man. It's just it, – it, that's how it goes in the NFL. Your yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, you know what, man? I'm gonna start with Joe. I like I like Josie, man, because he's a smart smart kid. Um, he's intense. You know, he he he's a hard worker, man. Uh, Blue collar worker. I, you know, you see him out there going full speed all the time. He knows what he's doing already. Um, you know, obviously he's still young, and so he's still got some learning to do. But, you know, we have one of the best linebacker coaches. He's going to get him right. And, um, you know, whenever he comes to me, I talk to him. You know, I, I help him out because, you know, that's just my job. That's how I do. I, I've done everybody like that. I've done Corey like that. I brought Todd along when Todd first got here. You know what I'm saying? So I do it to everybody. But uh, I like Josie, man, and I, I think he's going to be a good player here. Uh, he just got to stay the course. And Keyshawn, man, he's going to be good as well. You know, he just got to stay the course. And, and just keep working. How are you feeling body-wise playing the game? I feel good. You know, I, I lost about, man, I lost about six pounds so far. I'm going to try to go maybe five more. I'm going to try to get lighter. Uh, just just to be able to move more efficiently, move quicker. Uh, everything. <laughs> tight ends, you know. Uh, you know, the tight ends run four or five, you know. So, um, 
you know, I just want to be able to move more efficient, move more efficiently, and I just want to be more disciplined. I I've decided to try to be like a more disciplined person in my in my whole life. You know, um, not just you know what I eat. You know, it's with everything. I I, I make my bed every morning now. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, I do things as a routine to become more disciplined. You know, just in life. So um, yeah, I'm I'm down to about two thirty two. From 238, man, I'm gonna try to get to like 227, something like that. You want your buddy, Brandon? You want your buddy to capture this job? Yeah. Do you think he ever will? Um, you know, I saw something on Pro Football Talk that said him and should him and Eric Reed get a job now because this is in place. Um, I guess this will make it this will make it easier for him for him to get a job, maybe. But then maybe he maybe he'll be a rebel, you know. You know, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? And because um, he, you know, he's kind of the face of, of everything, right? So I just don't know. I, I hope he does, you know. And with this collusion case, you know, will somebody sign him, you know? And what is, and does that impact the case? If somebody, if he gets signed, is there no more collusion case, you know? And then I don't know. I hope he gets signed because I know he could play and because I know he still wants to play. That's why I hope he can get signed. And he thinks more, there might be a lot of guys in the locker room. Are you worried that that, that in itself will be viewed as a sign of protest without really protesting? Is that you know what? Okay, so didn't they say that, I guess, before uh, both teams used to stay in the locker room, right? Yeah. But like 2009 or something like that. So for the longest, you know, guy – We've been viewed as being on the field, and you know, you, you, you watch the games. The camera goes along the sidelines. You see everybody standing up. So when you, instead of seeing, you know, sixty or fifty-three players with some coaches standing, if you see about thirty, you know, I don't know. It, it might be, it might leave a, a bad taste in some people's mouths, you know. And I know people will definitely have comments on it. Um, I guess it won't be as bad as kneeling. But if, if a lot of players stay in the locker room, then and only like you know, twenty players come out, thirty players come out, there could be an issue. That's one, Mike. Every time something comes up, national anthem, yeah, yeah, yeah. social injustice, you're yeah. the go-to guy in the Broncos locker room. <laughs> yeah. And has that affected your play? Are you at some point wanting to get on to where you're more linebacker than yeah, spokesman yeah. for social causes? Or yeah. yeah um, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, uh, you know, I guess I've been, I've kind of shifted from that, you know, from 2015 where, you know, it was, you know, this linebacker, he's good. We're going to talk to him about football. Now it's like, okay, he's this. And, you know, I put myself in that position, and I understand. And uh, as a grown man, you know, I understand that. But absolutely, you know, I, I would, you know, um, I think I've been able to eliminate some distractions, you know, with, with this and, um, you know, I'm doing my part in, in my community, you know, with, with my foundation. So, you know, I'm actually taking my kids to, to D.C. this weekend, to, to the Capitol. Um, the kids that uh, actually finished the program and all the the, uh, the requirements for everything. So, you know, I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. And um, I think that's all we all could do, man. Everybody just do their part. But, you know, it's tough for me to not to not be that because of my past and because of um, my strong ties in the community and what I'm passionate about. You know, I'm passionate about, you know, community work as well as football, you know. So, you know, if I guess if God made me as just a football player, then then that's all we'd be talking about. But, you know, I, my passions are, are, are on the field and off the field.
want to take the time to thank my guest, Ms. Summer Lopez from PIN America, uh, the Brooklyn Nets, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Jared Allen, Key Food, and uh, everybody at the Child Development Support Corporation in Brooklyn just for um, amazing stuff going on, once again, in the community. Uh, if you want more information, go to www.cdscnyc.org. Once again, that is cdscnyc.org. As always, check us out, keepingarealsports.com, sportssocialpod.com. And every Wednesday, yes, Wednesday, I want to make sure everyone gets down to their head because some people are like, oh, what time you come on? It's every Wednesday, early Wednesday morning. Check for a new episode of Sports Social, unless told otherwise via my Twitter or Instagram, at Ed Easton Jr. Keep you updated on what's going on. And until next Wednesday, you've been listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio and iHeartRadio. Radio.